What's up, everybody? This is Kenzie from A Voice of Equus on Instagram. And this is Abby from Truly OTTB, and you're listening to the Cowgirl Conversations podcast. As the equestrian industry continues to evolve, more questions are being asked and more focus is being placed on the welfare of our equine athletes. We're sitting down to talk about this progression, hear from fellow equestrians, and discuss how to continue to better ourselves and our horses. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Cowgirl Conversations podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode. We had the chance to speak with Lauren from Equine Endeavor on Instagram. She's the executive director at Cantor California and a grad student at UC Davis. Um, Seriously, one of my uh, favorite people to talk to and she's so interesting. Um, So I can't wait for you guys to hear. Yeah, I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone as smart (laughs) she's insanely intelligent um and super super sweet it was really really cool getting to sit down and talk to her I really enjoyed that absolutely a wonderful human being the world should have more Lauren (laughs) I think it's really cool like how specifically she works with thoroughbreds obviously like we're super biased because we have (laughs) off the track of thoroughbreds but i love yeah yeah like she's just centered her career around it and i think that's so cool especially with the aftercare amazing amazing work absolutely um and as always everyone if you'd like to stay connected with us please subscribe and hit the notification bell and thank you for listening yeah, and if you guys want to connect outside of the podcast, see what we're doing because we're so interesting. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at a voice of equus and truly OTTB. And you can see our thoroughbreds. So, you know, bonus. But I hope you guys enjoy the episode and we'll catch you next week. Hey everybody, Um, I'm super excited. I know you're used to hearing Kenzie say that, but today I'm super excited about our guest. She's one of my really good friends and a great inspiration to me. So, um, hey Lauren. Hey Abby, thanks for having me. And hi Kenzie too. Hello, so excited to have you on. Me too. All right, so um, Lauren, your Instagram. Yes. Your handle. (laughs) Why don't you let everybody know who you are? Oh, okay. Um, So my Instagram handle is at Equine Endeavor. Um, That is actually my business name now, but it kind of started off as a blog, but that is where you can find me. Cool. Cool. We're super excited to have you today, as we said. And I guess we'll get started. Um, Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, I'm well acquainted, but for everybody who isn't. Yeah. Um, So I guess ever, as everyone already knows, my name is Lauren. Um, I am an almost 27 year old graduate student at UC Davis. My birthday is actually next week. So 
turn 27 next week. Not a very exciting birthday. Uh, <laughs> I am a mom of three thoroughbred geldings. Um, Gallen, Rain, and Jason are their names. Um, I'm the NorCal director of the nonprofit Cantor California. And in all of my spare time, I operate my small business, Equine Endeavor. That is so cool. How so? Um, tell us about your horses really quick. What's the what's the rundown on them? Okay, so uh, my oldest is Gallon. Um, he is eighteen this year, and he was a pretty successful stakes horse. He won uh, just over two hundred and sixty three thousand on the racetrack, and um, he actually was a foster fail from Cantor, California. That's how I got involved with Cantor years ago. And so I adopted him from the organization after volunteering with him. And I kind of adopted him knowing that he just needed like sanctuary and a soft place to land. So he's fully retired and uh, he just gets to hang out with his friends in the field and enjoy his life. He's a very special horse to me. And uh, my middle child is Jason and Jason is 10 this year. He was actually a client's horse and they just weren't a great fit. And so I kind of fell in love with him and I couldn't let him go. And so I acquired him unexpectedly in August of last year. And then Rain is my baby and he is five this year, which is nuts. I adopted him as a yearling who's feral out in a field <laughs> he's going to be five, which is nuts. And I actually picked him out because he has a face that looks just like my first horse's face, which is ridiculous. And I know that people say like, don't pick a horse based off of how they look. Um, but an old friend of mine had sent me a picture of him when he was up for adoption and said, you have to go look at this one because he reminds me of Dante. And so I did. And of course, like the moment I saw him, I was like, mm, sold, I'm adopting him and nothing else matters, which is how I like, that's how I function in my life is I basically am like, mm, I want this, I'm going after it. That's very much how I am. And so um, I saw him and I knew, and um, he's been kind of the most um, probably interesting horse that I've had because um, we did a basic pre-purchase and he was sound, um, negative to hoof testers, flexions were fine, looked sound. Um, and then four months after I got him, he came up bilaterally lame and ended up, um, he had fractured his coffin bone and foundered and has horrible x-rays. And based off of what the radiologist said, they think that that actually happened when he was a foal. So if I would have x-rayed him upon pre-purchase, I would have found that out. And, uh, so that's been a really crazy journey, but he's actually, his feet look quite good. Our farrier actually told us yesterday that he has great feet, which is oh, amazing. Yay. Yeah. Which is amazing. I was like, this horse, this horse has great feet, <laughs> um, but he is doing really well. So I call him my little miracle horse. And, um, I, I always like in the beginning, I always was like telling people do the x-rays do like always take x-rays of the front feet, you know? do that, do that, do that. And make sure you, you know what the feet look like. Um, and it's hard though, because I also tell people, I'm so glad I didn't take the x-rays because I 
probably wouldn't have taken him home with me, or maybe I would have, cause I'm a crazy person, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really glad that he ended up with me. So that's the long story long of my three horses. I love that. Um, so can you, can you kind of tell us like clue us in on how you got into horses? Yeah. Um, I feel like this is kind of a common story. My parents weren't into horses at all. I just like arrived on the planet and thought horses were meant for me and that it was something I needed to do. And as a kid, I was like in the library and, um, an elementary school. And I remember like checking out a different breed book every week. So I'd be like, Ooh, this week is like, you know, Andalusians this week's quarter horses, this week's lip is honors. And I just like kept reading about the breeds and I was obsessed with Appaloosas. Like I was like already a nerdy, nerdy little chubby horse girl, but like loved Appaloosa horses. They were my favorite. They're so yeah. cute. That's <laughs> ridiculous. That's just cute. ridiculous child. Um, I still love them by the way, even though I have never had one someday I'll have one. <laughs> um, and so I started lessons for my 10th birthday at a hunter jumper barn. My parents had no clue. Like if it would have been a raining barn, that's where I would have ended up. It was just because it was closest to my house. So I always like think like, what if I lived somewhere different? I would have probably gone down a totally different path, but I ended up at a hunter jumper barn. Um, and that quickly escalated from like weekly lessons to leasing a horse six months later. Um, and he actually was an off track thoroughbred gelding. His name was Sunny. And so as you guys know, I love thoroughbreds. And so Mm -hmm. at the age of 10, that really kind of like started me off (laughs) and he was also red and I love chestnut horses. (laughs) So I kind of like, thanks Sunny for that. Um, and then Sunny retired when I was 12 and I got my first horse, Dante, and had him until I had to euthanize him due to old age complications in December of 17. And so really, I, I would say Sunny and Dante are like the two, I've had a lot of special horses in my life, but those are like the two really special, uh, my chestnut boys that really inspired like a lot of my life's path thus far. That's beautiful. And I love, um, I, I don't think I was, or if you had Instagram or if I was following you and you still had Dante or not, I don't know. Um, but all of your pictures that you post with him are so beautiful and it just like makes my heart so happy because I can see from them, um, how special he was. He's so cute. And he does, he actually looks exactly like rain. It's so, it's so crazy. They're like twins. They're so cute. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty uncanny sometimes. Like sometimes I walk out and they see, especially if rain's far away and like, I'll walk out into the field and he like, will turn and look over his shoulder. And I like, just see that star and stripe. And I like, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get choked up. I just like that face. Oh, I love it so much. So yeah. yeah, Thank you. Dante was very special for sure. I, it's like that, that magical feeling that every horse girl wants with their horse. I feel like I had it. So I'm, I feel very thankful for that. So cute. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I want to cry. <laughs> That's <so sweet. laughs> oh my gosh. I like, I could talk about him forever and I <laughs> would start crying. So I won't, I won't be that weird, but just so you know, it could happen. Yeah, it's totally, totally the same way. <laughs> um, 
don't get me started on my childhood mare. She's a little Arabian. I'm the same way. Like, uh, yeah, I can mention her name and I will start to ball. So <laughs> there's just like something so special about that childhood love of your yes. horse. And like, I always tell people like when I lost him, I felt like my childhood was ending officially. Yep. And it was like, so brutal because I just realized like, I will never have a love that is that pure ever again. Like just that like unbridled, like childhood love where it's like, he was my dream come true, you know? Um, so all of us that get to experience that, I just, it's something so special. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so since they, your two, your two red boys kind of like ignited your love for it. Um, from there, how did you, how did you find your way into like, um, like practicing veterinary stuff? I know you're also like a trainer and you're, um, a director at Cantor as well. So how did you, how did you find your way into all of these different things? So the problem is that I can't say no. I always say yes. (laughs) So it's a problem. It's a, it's a serious problem for me. Um, and I, I'm excited about everything, right? So it's, that makes it so difficult for me too. But um, I guess maybe I'll start with like the the academic path because that was the most obvious for me. I always loved school. And before I had horses, um, I was obsessed with cats because I had a cat. So <laughs> I've always loved animals, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I grew up watching Steve Irwin. I'm like, I was like, I love the crocodile hunter. Oh my gosh. Like, yes. Like, One of my favorites. No, like yeah. he, he was everything. Like I love the crocodile hunter and I, I just <laughs> watch animal planet all the time. And yeah. so I was like, well, I'm a veterinarian. like, so I, I, from a young age, I felt like being a veterinarian was my calling. And, um, as soon as I got into horses, I was like, oh, well, forget cats. I'm not gonna be a feline vet. I'm gonna be an equine vet. Like that's my calling in life. And so choosing UC Davis for my undergraduate degree was like pretty obvious for me because, well, I'm from Sacramento. So um, nearby. And so Dante could come with me (laughs) and they have the number one veterinary school in the United States. So that was a really, really easy decision. And so I brought Dante to college and we started college in 2014 and I got my degree in 2018. Um, And then I actually got into veterinary school, not at UC Davis, but I got into veterinary school at Midwestern University, which is near Phoenix, Arizona. And, you know, imagine, you know, you have this dream for your whole life, which at the time was 22 years, which like, isn't that long, but at the time it was my whole life. So it, it, you know, meant everything to me. And I was getting ready to go. I had already like committed to them and said, I'll be there in the fall. And by this point in time, Dante had been euthanized and I had adopted Gallon from Cantor and I got my loan package back for my first year of vet school and tuition was 65,000 for one year. And it's a four-year program. And they said, oh, and of course, like you have to live. So we're going to give you an extra 30,000 in this loan package for your first year of school. So my first year loan package came back $95,000. Oh, 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, yeah. And so I just started thinking, well, like it was so hard because I am such a, I, I am like hard on my sleeve, go for what I want chasing dreams. Like I'm like that person. Like I'm always like, chase your dreams, like do what you love. Like that's like who I am. But I had to like pump the brakes and be like, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't think I can commit to four years, $400,000 plus interest because interest accrues when you're in a graduate or professional program. And I already had like 30,000 in debt from undergrad, which is literally nothing compared to 400. But I was like, I'm going to come out with half a million dollars in debt. And also, which like, this was a big consideration too. What do I do with Gallon? Like, does he come with me? How do I, I can't afford him. So do I have to go to the bank and ask for a loan to pay for my, my retired horse? And it's not like I could have, I, I like, couldn't have anyways, emotionally. He was like my emotional support animal when Dante died. So I, I like have a special thing with him and I, I couldn't have gotten rid of him, but I also was like, no one can take care of him. Like I can, how could I get rid of him at this part of his life where like, I have taken him knowing that he needed retirement. So it was really difficult. And I ended up deciding not to go, um, which was heartbreaking for me. And I had to figure out what to do. So I had to pivot and I had taught lessons, um, in my, during my undergraduate career, um, at the UC Davis equestrian center. And so I, um, ended up kind of networking and found a couple programs that wanted me to teach and be assistant trainer for them. And so I started doing that and I loved it. And I don't like to do anything halfway. So I got really into it <laughs> and I built up clientele and was like, I've, I've studied a lot of equine behavior and welfare and learning theory and all the things, but it just wasn't enough for me. I just was like, I, I need to go to school. Like I, I need to do more. I want to help horses. I want to help people. Um, so I ended up getting a job at the UC Davis vet school in March of 2021 um, it was part-time. So I shared my time with the teaching and training. Um, but I got a job there as a lab manager in an equine performance lab. And then after working there for a while, um, the vet that I was working under, she said, why don't you get, why don't you go to graduate school? And I was like, well, I want to go to vet school. I don't really want to get like a master's degree or a PhD. I want to be a vet. Um, but I would love to get into UC Davis's vet school because in-state tuition at a at a public school instead of a private school would be a lot more affordable and it's an incredible school. Um, so I started my graduate program this past September to get a master's degree in the hopes that it will allow me to be a better candidate for vet school. So that's awesome. I think that answered yeah, your question. Sorry, yeah. that was like 10 minutes of me just like talking, I think. <laughs> but... no, that's great. <laughs> that's great. That's perfect. So on this topic of like school and everything, can you pinpoint like one thing recently that you've learned that you're just like blown away by or obsessed with? Oh my gosh. I was like, I don't know. I, this is so hard. I learn stuff all the time. I feel like I learn every day, 
But something that I thought was fascinating recently was I, okay, this is like, I don't know, this is a little brutal, but I went to this clinic um, last summer in Colorado and I got to dissect a horse's brain. Um, like we got to cool, like hold it in our hands. Yeah, that's we got awesome. to, like, it was incredible. Um, like we got to hold the brain in our hands and then we had a um, equine neuroscientist that was like kind of cutting it into pieces. And then we got to like look at it and it was incredible. And so when I came home, <laughs> I went into the lab and um, I told my mentor, I said, you know, I've been studying the heart since March of 2021. And I just dissected the horse's brain, but I've never dissected a horse's heart. I really should. <laughs> and, um, so she was like, well, do you want to do one right now? And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And so we literally walked downstairs, um, onto the pathology floor and there was a horse that had passed away and the pathologist gave me his heart and like walked through dissecting it with me. And I was like, it was, I just didn't expect it. I was like expecting, like, I don't know if you guys ever had science classes where you dissected things, but I, yeah. I did, I think I did a sheep heart when I was in like 12th grade. And so mm. I was expecting like this really like sad, like old, sad, bored, like in a jar heart. And it was like, I, it, I don't know. It was, I, I just like fresh for lack yeah, of a better, like, like, I know term, like, that's what right? I'm saying. this is like gross. Like this is brutal, but it was like fresh. And it was like, I mean, it was beautiful and it was insane. And it was like so big. Yeah, and how, I was going to ask, like, what is like in comparison to like, I don't know, maybe I don't, something that everybody knows the size of, which I don't, can't think of anything. How, what is, what is it like? How big is it? <laughs> I feel like it's so hard because, um, I want to like show you, like show everyone, <laughs> um, but it, they're typically like, I think small end would be like eight pounds and the higher end would be like more like 12 on average, like an oh average, probably eight to 12. um, but I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe the size of like my head, like, wow. Oh, wow. Like, I feel Huge. like it was like quite large, like, yeah it was wild. And so, um, something that from that experience that I just thought was like crazy was not only just seeing it and just having a whole new appreciation for it, but also, um, so the left ventricle, which is one of the four chambers of the heart, that is the chamber that pumps the blood to the entire body. And, um, it is the, the wall of that left ventricle is so thick because it has to have so much contractile power to pump that blood out of the heart to the body of the horse. And I, I don't know. I just thought that was incredible. It, I wish I could like show everyone who's listening to the podcast, but it was incredible. Just take my word for it. <laughs> I wish I could see too. That would be like super cool. Like you said, I mean, I guess it's brutal, but I'm really interested in those kinds of things too. My knowledge doesn't have the same reach. Um, but just even to imagine it is, I mean, that sounds fascinating. Sounds yeah. fascinating. It totally is. Yeah. Those are like the, my favorite source of opportunities. Just like, I feel like learning hands-on like that is amazing. 
You I've can. had the chance to see like hoof dissections and stuff like that, but I've never seen a heart that would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the like hoof and limb dissections are also so fascinating. Oh yeah. I think all I, the um, little, uh, what are they like? Not arteries, but like um, capillaries. Is that what they are or whatever? Like ner- I, I don't know. Cause I'm not like a smart person. Um, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> it, inside like the, um, like within like the hoof capsule, I, that always looks, it's like a, it's like tree roots me is what it reminds me of oh yeah yeah yeah. oh yeah like the vascular system in the hoof that's that (laughs) exactly that part yeah no it's it it's it's like it sounds so dorky to say it but it's really like beautiful right like it's incredible yeah I think my fascination with it was like stemming from I don't 100% believe in like the typical like all thoroughbreds have bad feet um so actually being able to like dissect that and see it was really really cool and just gave me a better appreciation for the fact that I have a barefoot thoroughbred and I don't have to pay for shoes oh my god amen (laughs) Amen (laughs) I think that's awesome I I always say between my three horses they've got six shoes Oh, <laughs> I would love to get that number lower, but I do gallons fully barefoot. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, this is a little off topic, but I was super psyched today because um, we had the farrier out and I just so happened to get a tip at work that covered uh, <laughs> the farriers. So I was super excited about that. Speaking of barefoot horses. That's incredible. That's like- yeah yeah it was awesome it was great (laughs) it was great it was great um (laughs) but I speaking of the heart actually um I know that you posted or said recently um that you're kind of uh, I don't know if specializing is the right word so feel free to jump in and correct me but cardiac disease in thoroughbreds um if you could kind of narrow it down what about that specifically kind of drew you in well I think really I I ended up in this lab where um my PI so she's the it's called uh principal principal investigator so she is kind of heading up the project and then I am the student on the project um so my PI is very deeply interested in the heart and cardiac disease and horses. And so when I was going to be starting this master's program, part of the program is that I have to write a thesis and hopefully I will end up with a published scientific paper by the end of the program. That's the plan. And okay. so she said, you know, she, I know what the lab does. Cause I had been working in the lab and had been working on some various cardiac related projects but she had said for your master's project, if you could pick something that's in my wheelhouse, what would it be? And I said, well, I don't really know, but I want it to be related to thoroughbreds. <laughs> so the fact that she studies cardiac disease, that's kind of how it goes in grad school is you usually find a mentor and you kind of work on similar topics to what they work on. Um, it's not until later in the career that you would be able to say like, I'm going to study something different. (laughs) Um, and then the thoroughbreds, I just, 
that's something that, I mean, it's, it's relevant, right? Like you can easily come up with a project relating to cardiac disease and thoroughbred horses. And so, um, that made it really exciting for me. And so, um, my project specifically is looking at, um, exercise associated sudden death in thoroughbred racehorses. And so, um, I am just trying to like get that project off the ground, but that's what I'm going to be looking at. And so hopefully in sometime in 2024, I guess it would be, I will have like a published, um, paper to be able to share with everyone. That is so crazy, exciting. So crazy, exciting. That is insane. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so obviously you mentioned Cantor, and I was so excited when Abby said you worked with like a an organization rehoming off the track thoroughbreds because I worked really closely with one um, getting my guy. So it's just I'm obsessed with it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your work with Cantor? Yeah, absolutely. Cantor, I feel like is like my passion project of, of the things I do, right? Like I just, it's a hundred percent volunteer run. So even though my title is executive director, I don't make any money on it. Um, it's just something that I donate my time to. And when I started, I just was a general volunteer in 2017. That's when I met Gallon, And I just was going out and helping with the horses with like the adoption program, helping getting those horses available for adoption. And then when my life got crazy busy, I had adopted gallons. So then I had a horse and then I got rain. So then I had two horses. Um, it was harder for me to spend time at that barn working with the horses directly, but I was always kind of there doing different kind of behind the scenes tasks for Cantor that they needed. Um, so checking in with adopters and getting like post-adoption updates on the thoroughbreds that had been adopted out. And I was doing some donor management and writing thank you letters to our donors and just kind of like admin sort of tasks for a couple of years. And then in, I, I want to say, I guess it was spring of last year. Um, I had never even been on the canter board and the prior director called me and she said, I want to step down. And our board had a meeting and we all agreed that we want to propose you as new director. And I was like, me, <laughs> I mean, I love this organization and I like, I'm very dedicated to it, but like little imposter syndrome, like you want me, I like, I had just turned 26. I was like, I'm 26. You want me to be the director of Cantor? <laughs> and so, um, I was, um, voted on. And then I started um, kind of transitioning into that role and being trained in like March, April of last year. And then by the summertime, the prior director officially had stepped down. And um, yeah, so now I, I do go out to the barn. Uh, usually I'm the photographer. So I'll stop by the barn and get pictures of everyone so I can post on social media. Um, but really my tasks are um, very admin related at this point. Like I coordinate intakes for us. Um, I help with the adoption process. I try to maintain relationships, um, kind of within the aftercare industry. And, um, I do a lot of fundraising for us and set up events and, um, kind of all those sorts of things, but it's, 
it's been really rewarding. It's like my favorite part of my day is when I get to do stuff for cancer. That is love so that. cool. That's I love that. Cool. I, so neat. Yeah. I love how the aftercare is developing too. I think that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool to see. I think it's really, really specific and special for the thoroughbred industry. Yes, absolutely. Like I am like, I know, I know every industry can improve. So I'm not saying that the thoroughbred industry is perfect by any means, but I do think it's so incredible how much money from people who are actively in the racing industry are, is go like how much money they are taking and putting towards aftercare, um, is really, really incredible. And something I really didn't realize until I took this role on with cancer, but it makes me optimistic. I love it. Yeah. I, I had no idea like the, like I've been into thoroughbreds for forever. Um, but I didn't understand like fully grasp what went on behind the scenes until I connected with the manager of a rehoming uh, nonprofit in Kentucky where I got re-in from and it's it's just mind-blowing and incredible and this woman is amazing and restored all my faith in humanity Um, but it's really cool to see how it's improving and all the work that people are actively putting into it I think it's just it's really encouraging to see. Yeah. I love it. I love being able to see these horses find their people and anything I can do to make thoroughbreds be wanted is incredible. Like I, I don't know. They're, they're the best, but I'm, I, I'm biased opinion. <laughs> right. I may be a little biased too, actually, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's so much, like they have such a bad, um, like a bad reputation and I was just thinking as you guys were saying you've loved thoroughbreds for forever I didn't I always thought I was gonna have a warm blood of some sort that's really funny I don't know where I thought I was gonna get that kind of money from um but we had as a kid growing up we had these Canadian neighbors and one uh, the husband he was into racing and one day he came over to the house he's like I know your granddaughter rides horses. I have this terrible horse. I'll give him to you for a dollar. He went on and on. My grandpa looked at me and he was like, no, trust me. He's like, you don't want a thoroughbred. Um, and here I am. You were pretty thoroughbred. <laughs> so yeah, um, I do want a thoroughbred actually, but um, it's just crazy to me how they have like such a bad name. Um, and I'm sure you guys can, can agree with, with your horses. Um, Gizmo's the the best horse I've ever had any sort of dealings with, and I'm sure you guys have similar things to say about about yours too. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's. I all I do is talk about how perfect Rian is. So, oh, <laughs> you know. <That's> so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just think they give so much. They give so much when they're on the track, right? And so, um. Gallon was a stakes horse, but Jason was like kind of a scrappy claimer. He had 56 starts. Um, and he only, he won 96,000, which is a lot for compared to some, but not a ton of money, but he still, you know, still gets the war horse title. Um, 
but he, I don't know, he gave so much and Gallon gave so much and their stories are very different, but both horses deserve a soft place to land. So I love being able to give that to them. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I know also, Lauren, you said your favorite part of your day is when you get to do um, everything for Cantor. And I know you wear many, many hats. <laughs> Um, you're probably one of the most like versatile, talented people I know. Um, but if you That's could so narrow nice. it down, <laughs> no, I really do genuinely That's mean so that. I, I do, I do mean that. Um, it's super great. I, any, you know, shout out to Lauren. Um, shameless plug here, I guess. But I tell everybody that I can tell that like you're awesome and a huge inspiration to me. You're just fantastic. That's but name was one of the first ones she brought up. So yes, I think it was actually <laughs> the first person that I was like, "Yeah, we need to talk to her because she's great." Um, your favorite part about your job? Question mark. Um, so if you have a favorite one, or just name a favorite part of like each different like kind of pocket that you have going on. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, loaded question. I know well, Cantor is easy. So I'll just start with Cantor. It's definitely when horses get adopted that I just told someone this yesterday because we had two horses adopted in the past week and Aww, a horse, yeah, it's just like the best feeling. And like, I don't know, finding good people for good horses is like the best. And when like signing the contract that like I have placed a horse is like, the highest high I can, I can imagine. Like, it just makes me so happy. And I was telling one of my friends that I really felt like doing, like, I've always wanted to be a vet. And I feel like that's like my career path. Um, and that's like, what's calling to me. And I hope that, that that happens, but I feel like I was like meant to do the work with Cantor. Um, like the, the nonprofit philanthropic, um, labor of love, passion project, like that is like, I just love it. Fills my cup a hundred percent. Um, so that is fantastic, but I also love intakes. Getting new horses is really exciting too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I can imagine why. <laughs> yeah. My husband is like, I am so happy that you do this so that it can like satisfy your need of getting new horses <laughs> because you can't have more than three. That's enough. He's very supportive, but like really three is so much money that <laughs> we are capped at three. He's like, we are a happy family of five or six. If you count my cat. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love that piece. Um, I guess for um, equine endeavor for the teaching and training. Um, I, I really love to teach. And so that is the highlight for me. Um, I, I love like the connections that I've made with my clients and I love that they, they are so, um, like thirsty for knowledge, which makes me really proud. Like I love when they have great questions and they're not just interested in writing, which is, uh, like inspirational to me that that's awesome. That, like the people that have chosen to work with me are so well-rounded and have such a deep interest in the horse that riding is like 5% of it. I think that's incredible. Um, so I love that piece of that. Um, and I'm trying to think, I guess as a grad student, 
I also have to say teaching. I am able to be a teaching assistant as a grad student. So last quarter I was teaching, helping to teach um, Animal Science One, which is for freshman undergrad students. And then um, this quarter I am TAing for Equine Genetics, which is an uh, for upper, it's an upper div class. It's for upperclassmen, um, undergraduate students. And uh, that is super fun. Equine genetics is so fun. And then next quarter, I'm going to go back to a lower div animal science two, which is another introduction to animal science class. And I thought that teaching undergraduate students, I would feel like I'm the same age as them. This is weird. Turns out that's not the case. <laughs> I'm not even 10 years older than them yet, but I'm like, whoa, I feel so old. Like they are children. <laughs> and the margin for that is getting like huge <laughs> as time goes on I feel like the divide between like us and even people like three five years younger is like insane I don't I I feel like they speak a different language a lot of the time it's, I don't know if that's what you mean nuts. but it's literally nuts and I don't even think like I always say like oh I'm a millennial but I was born in 96 so I'm actually technically not a millennial but I don't know. I think there's a difference between nineties babies and babies born 2000 and later. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Really, I'm like, wait, how old are you guys? <laughs> I am 97. So I'll be 26 okay. this year. I'm a little bit behind you. Okay. I'm a 98. So I'll be. 25. Oh yes. Okay. I was like, I'm going to feel so bad if they were born in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're in good company. It's okay. Um, but I feel like there's a big difference. And so it's, you know, good or bad, whatever, but I definitely, and they, it's fun. It's like, they make fun of me for being old, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I am not that old. Like, so no. it's really fun. There's a lot of playful banter, especially like with the freshman students when they're coming in. Um, and I love that's actually, I love equine genetics. So this quarter has been really fun. Um, but I think that doing that, the introductory animal science classes for the kids that are just coming into college who are like 18, 19 is so fun for me because I love being able to support them because it's a really hard time. I think like starting college is a pretty hard time, even though it's exciting. Um, so I love to be able to be like, I'm here for you. I'm cheering you on. Like I'll help you study. Like you're doing great. (laughs) So I love that piece of it. So yeah, I think, and those are my, I think those are my three main hats, Cantor, grad student, equine endeavor. Main hats. I love it. I love it. Um, so, and you were, the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, cause this is just like me kind of geeking out a little bit. Cause I also like genetics as well. I haven't looked into it much since I was a kid. I was um, way more interested kid than I am an adult. I think I'm just exhausted, but um, is that like, like genetics as a whole, or the only thing I really know about it is like coat color genetics. That's as far as my knowledge goes is like that. That's it. But, um, that's super, that's super interesting. So yeah. Is it like, what, what does that like cover to sum it up? Sorry. I'm just having a nerd moment also, but I just want to that's okay. with that. I'm- literally a nerd. So it's fine. Um, so it, we do, we have talked about coat color genetics. Um, and so that's kind of, I would say that's kind of like the first half of the class is doing just mm-hmm. coat color genetics. 
And now we are going to start moving into um, disease genetics. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So that is super fun. So um, I am looking forward to it because it, I loved this class when I took it. Like when I took this class, I was like the kid showing up like, like with an apple on my desk, like sitting in the front, like <laughs> I was so into it. And um, so being able to, to be in it as a TA and still like getting the knowledge again. And like, I took it like seven years ago. So, so much information has come out since I took it the first time. So oh, being yeah. able to also be learning new information is really cool. And um, yeah, that's been, it's been really fun for me, but I'm excited for the second half of the class and getting into disease genetics and, and finding out from the professor, what new information has been revealed since I took the class as an undergrad. Super so cool. kind of on the same topic of like nerding out, cause yeah, that's so cool. Is it, <laughs> is there like a lot of ways to correlate that into the work with the thoroughbreds? I feel like that's something that you could get really niche with. Oh, absolutely. Um, I actually, basically every time we've like talked about anything in genetics, I'm like, excuse me, do you know if, um, kissing spine is genetic? Um, <laughs> Me. do you know if racehorse speed is genetic like I'm like <laughs> do you know if sudden cardiac death is genetic um it's like everything that I like is like poor hoof quality you know like but like all the stuff that they like say you know is like thoroughbred specific I like and my professor which she told me um she's like you know what I think I think everything's inherited because it is. <laughs> so, so she's like, I love that answer. <laughs> yeah. So she's, she's so funny. And so, um, I definitely think that I would love, and I think this is honestly probably beyond the scope of what I can do in a master's program. I think this would be like more like a PhD, but I was talking to her and I was, cause a lot of science is all about collaboration. And so I was talking to her and I was saying, um, you know, for my cardiac death project, um, could we like look at the genetics of it and see like, yeah. is, is there something that's being inherited that's making a horse at a higher risk of collapsing it and dying of sudden death? And she's like, you probably could, and this is how you would do it. <laughs> um, and I think it would be super cool. You're right. It would be like a very niche, um, kind of place to go, but I think that would, that would be probably too much for the master's degree. <laughs> I just find that so fascinating. I don't. Yeah, that blows, that blows my mind. I love that. But also on the, the whole cardiac death thing, I know this is crazy. It's my paranoia. It makes me so paranoid. <laughs> I think about that all the time. Every time I ride, I'm like, oh my God, what if? Uh, yeah. <sighs> so crazy. I can like literally psych myself out. Like he is alive and breathing in my pasture currently. If I looked out the window, I could see him. <laughs> um, but I literally think about that like all the time. I'm like, do you know how much could have happened to him outside of him breaking his leg on the track? <laughs> like, and I'll psych myself out about it. And I'm like, eh, actually, he's he's alive in my pasture. He's fine. Right he's now. fine. <laughs> Stop. Um, okay, so I feel like this will be really interesting to ask you. But if you had a giant billboard, metaphorically speaking, with anything on it, 
something that you think everyone should know, what would it say and why? Oh my gosh, this is hard. I don't know if I should go like specific to horses or if I should just go specific to life because I feel like life messages always like relate to horses anyways. Yes. Um, Amen. Um, I don't know. I feel like I have all of these like little sayings and things that I think of all the time. And honestly, like they aren't, I don't think that I can like say they're not mine. Like they're things that I've heard over the years that like resonated with me that I like just kept in my brain to remind me of, you know, to put things into perspective a lot. Um, and so I guess this is, um, this is really relevant, I think to horses, but it's actually just to life. But I think that I would say, and someone definitely said this before me. So whoever quoted it, you get full credit. Um, but expectation is the thief of joy. Love that one. (laughs) Yeah. I, that is something that like, I think about all the time. And I think like whenever I get frustrated with any aspect of my life, whether it be professional or personal or, um, with my horses or, and not to my horses, but let's say getting frustrated that I don't have more time to ride. That's like a common one. Um, and then I think, why do I expect to be able to ride? You know, like I, I have these horses that have a great life. I mean, they're out in the field with their friends grazing right now, you know, like they don't care. They don't care. They are we so were just talking about just this. Talking yes. about that. <laughs> yeah. Like they don't yes, care. Yes, yes. And, and so, you know, it's so hard because us as humans, like we, I don't know, our perspectives like really mess with us. Right. Like, and, and life is all about how we perceive things. And so I don't know, I think thinking about perception is a big piece of, 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 I guess, like my, the way I think about life, I'm always thinking about like the only way I, the only reason I feel the way I feel is because I'm perceiving it that way. Um, it's like Lauren's philosophy. I get into weird philosophical thoughts all the time. (laughs) Um, but I think that expectation is the thief of joy is like just something that always read. Like the first time I heard it, I was like, I'm never going to forget that because if you don't have expectations, it's so much easier to just be joyful. And that's something that like, I always aim to be joyful. I think, I mean, I think being a joyful person, like really is something that can make you stand out, which is silly and ridiculous, but I, I just aim to always like walk into a room and have people feel like I'm a, I'm a happy human being. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know. That is so, that's so true and so lovely. And before we go any further, I just want to say that you definitely embody that. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting you in real life a couple of times and you seriously are one of the most wonderful people I've, I've met. You're seriously fantastic. So I really do mean that um, and that uh, strikes a nerve with me I think because I've been trying to um, do more of that myself so I think it's funny that you say that because I've been like oh I want to be a little bit more um, light you know and just happy about things and not be so serious because I'm a really serious broody individual <laughs> so like it's hard yeah, I, it's I hard I mean 
it's really hard. I think also like I definitely, when I was 22 and I was going to vet school, I was like the most linear person. It was like A to B to C to D to E. Like that's the way my life is going to go. And you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> like that's what I'm doing. And when I didn't go to vet school and I had to pivot, it was so challenging for me. And like, I really, I mean, I, I, I don't use mental breakdown lightly. So I don't want to like say like mental breakdown, but like it was a crisis for me. And so being able to just being to let it go, I guess being able to let it go and be like, Hey, it's okay. Life is good. Um, I don't have to have these grand expectations of myself was really like challenging, but it, it has made me better. So I think it worked out in, in one sense, it worked out really well. So, yeah. We were just talking about that. You're like, we're always just talking about everything that we talk about. (laughs) Life. Whether it's like on the podcast or us on the phone. Um, no, I, I love that. I, I spent January really like digging deep and just being brutally honest with myself about like where I am mentally, as well as like just emotionally and how I handle things outside of my horses, but then also with my horses. And yeah, I think one of the main things I took away was like kind of the mentality of things happening for me and not to me and just being more positive and positive like that sounds so corny but like just genuinely seeing things as stepping stones and something that I can learn from instead of like feeling like the world's against me Um, again it like comes back to how you perceive everything right like and you change that mindset and it like changes so much and like similarly to what you said something else that I think about and like maybe this could be on my billboard is like when I I had, I got into this mode where I was waking up every morning and I was like, Ugh, I have to do this. I have to do X, Y, and Z. I have to do whatever it was that was on my agenda. And there was one day I was driving around and like, of course it was like sunshine, beautiful weather. And a song was on the radio that I loved. And I was driving to one of those things, A, B, or C, I don't remember. And I was like, I get to do this. I don't have to do this. Nothing in my life I have to do. You know what I mean? Like I have chosen all of these things. And so I, I don't know. It was like, it clicked like a light switch. And I was like, I need to start waking up every morning. And when I look at my agenda for the day, I think I get to do this. Not, I have to do this. I think absolutely, it makes a huge difference for sure. I've been doing um gosh and it's raining so I'm so sorry if everybody can hear that just Florida fans um (laughs) so that like gosh I know we got to wrap up here soon but I've been doing I think something sort of in the same vein um every night before I go to sleep I sit down and I write in this notebook like five things I was grateful for on that day and it could be anything like the other day I wrote avocados my latte was good I love it (laughs) beautiful like if I can't think of something like grandiose and amazing because nine times out of ten that's not how life is you don't get something like mind-blowing every day 
Um, but I've just been doing that every day and it's like a really nice little reset, especially if I've had a bad day, yeah. sit down, force myself to be like, oh, this was like, this was at least good. Um, so I get that. It's all about shifting your perspective. Just like yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And a good latte always makes the day better. Exactly. <laughs> One of my exactly. favorite trainers, he's always saying like, when you, when, um, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I and I, yeah, I just, I feel like since that shift in perspective, it's completely changed my relationship with my horses too, which has yeah. been mind blowing. Um, and I thought we had a good relationship and then it's just gone completely. I, I mean, it's that. It's amazing. So I love that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yep. I feel the same way with my horses. When I stopped expecting things of them, it was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, our, like, I just feel like every interaction I have with them is positive, And I love that they like, even if I just sneak out for 20 minutes and it's like, I go do stretches with each one and I give Gallon and Jason get turned out together. So I give each of them a kiss. And then I walk over and see rain and rain comes galloping up to me. And it's like, they're so like, they are choosing to leave their friends and their grass that we've, we get seasonal grass here in California. They've got grass right now. Like they choose to come to me and exert energy cantering up to me. Like it, I'm like, Oh, I feel so special. <laughs> like, Oh, uh, there's nothing better. So I, yeah being able to strengthen yeah. that relationship with the horses is incredible taking yeah. the pressure off is a it's a hard thing to do I think initially, it is hard. but it's it's great but the little moments like you said so cute like today I went to go give uh, uh my my tip money to the farrier <laughs> after work today um and it's all in the little moments like Gizmo's eating in his stall they just got fed and I decided I was going to go sit in there for a few minutes before I left. And as soon as I went in and I sat down, he left his food, came right over to me, said hi for a minute, and then went back to eat. And I was like, that's so cute. Because like, I know you love your food, but it's so cute that you'll like, say hi to me for a minute because I came here. So it's super cute. And I think that's part of it. Like, I didn't go in there, like, leave your food and come see me. I was just like, oh, let me go just yeah. be exist um but I totally agree with that like taking away the expectation um I think they can feel that I think yeah. they know that yeah because I think in a way expectations are pressure right horses move away from pressure so we take yeah. away right. that pressure and then they're more drawn to us I think uh, maybe I make that I'm making that up no, <laughs> but... that's, a, that's a really no. really yeah. interesting take I love that yeah I literally, it's so stupid, but I live for the moment where I can literally take off my shoes, put my boots on and just go sit with, and, and I sit and reinstall specifically because he's away from everybody else. So there's like no commotion going on. Um, it's literally the best part of my night because yeah. we just chill and it's like, it's quiet. I don't know, literally the best part of my night. I'm going to go do that as soon as we're done with this so I love that <laughs> so um I guess wrapping up here since I don't want to take all of your time um 
let me ask you this. Do you have like one piece of advice for anybody before we wrap it up? Oh my gosh. I guess in the vein of everything that we talked about, I guess I will say to everyone that if there is something that you want, I want you to go for it. Um, even if you don't get there on the straight path, if you don't go A, B, C, D, if you hop around a little bit, it's okay. I just, I would just encourage everyone to always keep going for what they want and never settle. And that sounds so trite. And I don't know, just, I, I, but I really mean it. I really do. I just, I think even like for me, that's, you know, I've jumped around and I've, worn a lot of hats and I'm still back to starting my vet school application and trying that again. Right. And by the time, if I get in and I go, by the time I graduate, I'm going to be in my thirties, but that's okay. You know? So that's my advice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. This was so fun and so interesting. Um, You're always one of my favorite people to talk to. So thanks. Thank you. It was so great to meet you, Kenzie, and to it's chat with you, so Abby. We haven't chatted in a while. And um, soon, I'm, though, I think, right? Yes. Um, I'm supposed to come to Florida in March for a family crazy vacation. So you should just come oh, like tag cool. along with us. Don't need to tell me twice. I will be there. <laughs> Sounds good. You can experience the family dynamic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, Amazing. Thank you so much. It was so great to talk to you. I love your page. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I hope you guys have a good night. Thanks for recording so late Florida time. Always. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Bye.